Welcome. And thank you for joining the Father's Vineyard podcast. We are located at 724 Oakland Road in Spindale, North Carolina, and invite you to join us. We are a church that loves God, loves people, and makes a difference. And now, let's join today's service. Is God working inside you? There you go. Well, I know God's working inside this young man. I've seen him for quite a while now, but uh, he's going to be bringing the word to us. And uh, so would you, if you don't mind, welcome the man of God who God is at work on the inside of him. And he ain't finished with him yet, but he hadn't been finished with me either. So welcome Pastor Terry Wilson. Yeah, I thought someone else. Been called young man in a few years. I appreciate that. You can't pay for reviews like that. That's right, that's right. Well, good morning, family. How are we? Uh, it's good to be with you guys this morning, and I'm going to share something from my own personal studies this morning that has just lit me up uh, over the last couple. Uh, months in studying scripture, and uh, you know, I tell you what, I think we could spend 10 lifetimes studying this book and not even scratch the surface. It's just the, the Word of God is so wonderful and so miraculous in so many, so many different ways, and, uh, and this is one of them, and uh, you know, how you know something can be said and it means one thing, and it's true. What was said was meant by this person. They meant it this way, and what they said was true. And then someone else could say the very same thing, mean something completely different, and even though they say the same thing, and they mean something 180 degrees out of phase with what the other person said, it still is true. So when we're trying to look for truth, sometimes... Uh, we got to really check our own biases and our own uh, pre-notions. And, and you really, I mean, honestly, the utility for prayer for me, praying before I read, is God, wipe it clean. It, take Terry out of the way. Get, get me out of the way. Uh, and I was t- uh, joking with Pastor Terry on the way in this morning. I, I saw one of those, and I'm not going to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but last night, I, you know, we had a, a primary in my state yesterday, right? And so everybody relax. I'm not getting political, but it's hysterical. <laughs> so I have to say it. One person said, regardless of the results, I'm not going anywhere. And the other person on the other side heard what was said and said, it's the first time I agreed with this candidate because they are not going anywhere. (laughs) Same words. (laughs) Same subject matter. (laughs) Completely different meanings, isn't it? (laughs) And I was like, that is, that is, that is the, uh, the challenge when we're trying to seek out God, what are you saying, right? Because sometimes uh, we have to really discern. And so there is a familiar story in your Bibles in John 9 that uh, illustrates something that uh, I'm going to be talking about um, all month, next month, about how God gives us triumph over our triggers. We all, how many in here has got a trigger? How many in here is lying right now? Go ahead, the other rest of you. 
Anybody, everybody know what a trigger is? Uh, we all know what the trigger, tr- trigger is. Well, we all have them because we've all been conditioned by life. Uh, and just to break this down to the most simplest element, have you ever seen something, heard something, uh, been exposed to something, and all of a sudden you feel a certain way and you can't explain why? Well, you've just been triggered. <laughs> because something on the inside of me feels a certain way, my emotions have gone awry, and I can't articulate really why. Anybody ever had that experience? You know, and, unless you really stop, think, meditate, God, what's going on? You re- it re- Listen, how many has ever had a song come on the radio, and all of a sudden you go back to 1986? And, and this, <laughs> easy now, easy. <laughs> Luther Vandross comes on the radio, and... Uh, <laughs> there you go, there you go. But that's, that's the power of a trigger. You know, we're designed, but here's the thing. We can be triggered for goodness, or we can be triggered for depression, anxiety, frustration, irritation. We can be triggered for all this negative stuff as well. And so the, 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 the challenge I have for myself is to understand how God fearfully and wonderfully made me. And then come in alignment with his creation so that I can spiritually hack my system. <laughs> You've heard of biohacking? Well, the, through the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in his word, I can daily renew my mind, wash my mind out. And, and all of a sudden, the things that were supposed to have once done one thing, all of a sudden God can use for something completely different, can he? It, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God that no man can do, no theory can do, no logic, but God can do it. And I tell you, I stand up here today in front of you to testify. I know this to be a fact because I've experienced it myself. That God is, is, what he wants to do for you is to give you triumph and not just a trophy. Religion turns our spiritual walk into trophies. Randy, turn this mic on. Thank you. Uh, we want to pause. Uh, thank you for allowing me to interrupt. Uh, we want to pause and have prayer for David. David uh, just had to take a nitro uh, tablet, so uh, but his, his chest is hurting and everything, so let's just pause and pray for David, okay? And don't wait on me to pray. You just start praying. Lord, we just thank you for David and his family. And... Um, Lord, you know the condition, you know what's going on, you know what's happening with him. Right now, this very moment is not beyond your power, it's not beyond your will, it's not beyond anything of you. You know exactly what needs to be done. We just ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that you touch his heart, that it would beat regular, and that his his, uh, pain in his chest would subside. Lord, we just ask you to do this by the stripes that you took on your body and shed your blood, and you said... By my stripes, David is healed. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we speak that to him. We speak life to him. We speak healing to him. And we speak it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. 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 Shout amen if you believe it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for allowing us to do that. Healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's no interruption. That is the service. That is body ministry. That's what we're here for. 
We're not here to hear me or anybody else. We're here to experience what God's got for us. Amen. There is no interruptions. There is no interruption. That's, 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 that's God saying, hey, this is where we go now. But, you know, his healing is a day-to-day experience we can have physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and uh, a religious mindset that we can be susceptible to if we're not careful is we turn in, uh, we, 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 we exchange this daily experience we have with this static thing we used to have. Because that's what religion does. It turns the works of God into a trophy to just shine off and look, see? See, see, what, God, see what God did? But is he doing it now? Are you experiencing it now? See, a trophy is something that happened in time, a static moment in time that's representative. This is what happened. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. But God gives us more than just trophies. He gives us a day-to-day experience. You know, uh, I was, in studying this, I went down to our little music room in the basement, and uh, I'm sitting there, and Gina's got my stuff out from when I was in band and all this other stuff. And one of the things I saw was a, a, tr- a little trophy of what I won as a little trombone player back in high school and made all county and then all state and all this other stuff. And it just occurred to me, I can't go around and saying, I'm this all-star trombone player. You know why? I hadn't picked it up in years. <laughs> so I can't take a trophy and identify this is who I am today. Nor can I take something that God did years ago and rest on my laurels because he's got a fresh, his mercies are new every morning. So I can't just, I can't just say, well, I got just enough, and it, you know, a little dab of do you, you know what I'm saying? I got my salvation. Now, salvation is a dynamic that we walk in every day and experience every day. It's not just this one moment in time I got my ticket, and then I'm good, right? But if we treat our walk of faith like that, then all of a sudden we find ourselves in moments of like, despair, uh, moments of needing God to work. And, and I'm saying, well, the trophy, God, the trophy. He says, well, that's what I did yesterday, but how are you praying today? What are you doing today to experience me today? And we get that in this text right here, if you, if you will. Turn in your Bibles real quick to John uh, chapter 9. And I want to give you a little bit of context. In John 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are giving him a hard time. Jesus, he, he went out and read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And then he had this, uh, he had this little get-together with the, all the theologians at the time, and apparently it didn't take because they don't like him at all. And it's not that Jesus didn't like the, the Torah or he didn't like uh, the Logos of God because he is the Logos of God, right? So it'd be counterproductive uh, for him to say, I don't like myself, right? That'd be, but he didn't like their traditions, their oral traditions and everything they were adding to. They had literally 39 different things they added to the Bible of how the Sabbath was to be treated and how this was to be done. I mean, they're really building upon, you know, man-made stuff, and that's what he was coming against. And, and he basically then, in, in, in chapter 8, you can read it yourself, he says, you are your father, and he's referring to the devil. He didn't, I don't think he said it, but he's pretty much saying, this that came from your father, I come from my father. He says, are you greater than uh, Abraham? He says, before Abraham, I am. So right there in the text, what did he just claim? And who is I am? That I am, <laughs> right? And so he's, he, and that really starting to twist them up a little bit. That's really starting to agitate them a little bit. 
And uh, so they're, they're a little bit frustrated with him. They're a little bit aggravated with him. And, and they know, they say, well, who is your father? Now, see, they know this, by the way. They know this. They know that he come from Mary, and they know Joseph wasn't his legitimate father. And his reputation among the Pharisees is he's this little illegitimate child wandering around acting bigger than he ought to. That's their attitude toward this guy, because Joseph isn't your real daddy. And so illegitimacy back then was a big thing, you know, and they they would brand you and all of a sudden just disqualify you and all this other stuff. And so they're just like, who is this guy from married and and has this checkered past and trying to come in here and lecture us? So get the context of this conversation he's having with them. And then they're challenging who his, his, because he says, my father who is in heaven, I do what he, you know, so he's laying it out, the difference between them being led by their father and me being led by my father. And then we go into chapter 9. Okay, and there's something that uh, we need to understand that uh, I just have started really digging into this phrase that's in Galatians chapter five. What it's it's for what that Christ set us free? What is it for? It's for freedom. So he didn't give us freedom so that we'd have a trophy to look at. He gave us freedom so we would have an experience to live out. Our freedom is not so that we can just say, hey, I'm free, and be branded as free. His freedom that he gives us is freedom that we're supposed to live out and experience to a degree. Listen, our freedom is so much that he's given us, it came with caveats. Now, if it's not to be used, it wouldn't come with any caveat. Warning. The freedom he's given you and I comes with this thing, this this little warning label. Don't let your freedom be a stumbling block. So that tells me right away, hey, I've got freedom. But, whoa, hold up on that car wash, boys. Don't don't go so far and don't go so wild that it can become. So that tells me the freedom that he's given me is not just for brand's sake, but for use sake. But be careful, right? So I don't think we really appreciate the, this, this term freedom that he's endowed us with. Freedom from what? Freedom from myself. Freedom from my own doubts. Freedom from my limitations. Freedom from being thought that I got to please people. Freedom from the idea that uh, I've got to be this because so-and-so said, or this is what's expected. Freedom to be all that God has called me to be. That's right. Freedom to fail. Freedom to try and fail. Freedom to not always get it right, John. Freedom to say, I tried and I missed the mark, Charlie. But let me get back in one more time, and I promise I'll sing my alto part right this time. I'm, I'm out of tune, but this is, a, this is a work in progress. Freedom to be okay with not being okay. Freedom that no matter what, he loves me, he accepts me. I can't do any more to get him any higher on Terry Wilson. I, freedom from having to perform. Freedom to have. Freedom from you guys liking this message or not. 
Now, I, I don't say that with need. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? There's a time in my life. What do you, what do you think? Freedom from that. Freedom from my own self. Freedom. It was for freedom Christ set us freedom to use. So we go into John 9, and there's this story that has just befuddled me my whole life. Y'all probably heard it. It's the story where Jesus healed a blind man by doing what? Huh? Spitting in dirt, making mud, and throwing it in his eyes. Now, I got to be honest with you. That's weird. It's weird. Why would you do that? I mean, think about it. He is God in the flesh. In the beginning was him. He spoke things into existence, and they were. Why, then, would you spit in the dirt, make mud, and put it in this poor fellow's eyes? That just don't make good sense to me for years. And then I would hear pastors in my denomination growing up as an early child, and we were very pro-evangelical, very pro-winning the loss, nothing wrong with that. It was used as a metaphor. And the way it was interpreted was, well, he was blind to his sin. He was blind to his state of being. And so God anointed his eyes through his own oil and saliva and using the clay in which he came from, to anoint his eyes so that he could be open to the wonderful world that God has provided with him in salvation. Now, you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with that interpretation. Ain't a thing wrong with that interpretation because spiritually that's what happened. But to understand this text, I had to go back and read Hebrew culture at the time, what it meant for this. How did the people that were there watching this actually interpret what just happened? When I did that, I was like, holy smokes. Jesus did one thing, one act, and communicated three, four different things that I can count. There's probably more, but just what I call. For instance, chapter 8, the Pharisees is claiming that he's of the devil. The Pharisees are claiming he's an illegitimate boy, that he shouldn't even have the right to go around and talk and pontificate and all this other stuff. Who are you? You're Mary's son. You don't even have her. That was what was going on in chapter 8, if you really study the text. Who's your father? You say you're greater than Abraham? Well, in Hebrew time, not in the Torah, not in, in the book, but in oral tradition, they really was high on this one particular rabbi. And and it was a famous story, sort of like we do with Solomon. You know how Solomon had the women come and they were debating over whose child this is and the famous thing Solomon said, we'll split it in half. And then the, the real mother said, no, don't do that. And that's how he discovered. So in oral tradition, the Hebrew people at the time had this rabbi that had a similar problem that came to him. And it was debating over which son was the legitimate heir of this family, this kingdom that this, this dad was going to leave. And there was some confusion, or there was a debate on who was legitimate, who was the illegitimate son. So the rabbi said, both of you go to the street corner. out here. there's a beggar spitting his eyes, and the legitimate son that's actually of this father will heal him of his spit, and he'll see. Knowing that, Jesus just slipping out the back 
from all of this hustle tussle, sees a blind man on the corner, what does he do? He puts spit in his eye so that it opens up his eyes and he sees. Didn't know that. Didn't know that at the time. But I want to break out three things that I see in this text, and maybe you can go back in your own studies. That one act did thing, uh, three things. Number one, it healed that man of his religious attitude. We all have religious attitudes. We've all been conditioned by our own upbringing, our own understandings, our own interpretations, our own experiences inside the church. And because of that, if we're not careful, we develop a religious attitude towards certain things. And so Jesus, in one act, changed the religious attitude of that man and the people around him. Number two, he uh, basically uh, showed him the resources he had available that he never knew, never understood, didn't appreciate. So many times you and I, uh, we're sort of like that guy that's in the flood, and he says, no, don't, don't, the boat comes by, no, don't save me, God's going to save me, helicopter comes by, no, don't, the weather report says, get out of here, the flood comes, no, God's going to save me, and the guy ends up dying. There's resources that God sends our way we don't appreciate, and that's the very thing that God's trying to use to get us our healing. And God shows us that, that there's resources available, and the third thing is the relationships that guy settled for and accepted. The relationships you and I have accepted when I say that, the terms of those relationships, what those relationships mean to us, the, the, the role we play within those relationships, what we are expected of in those relationships, what we don't anticipate, what we have settled for and say, well, you know, I'm so-and-so from such-and-such. Such. You know, me and Pastor Terry had a similar background with not a father and things like that. Me and him had a similar background in the fact that we were all the class clown in our family. Our job was to make everybody laugh. Well, guess what? Sometimes I didn't feel funny. And you know what happened? My entire family, what's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me, but I got tired of playing a role. You know, and what happened? The relationship I had accepted in this area of my life was putting me in a place that wasn't natural. Now, I like to joke. I like to cut up. But I don't have to be everybody's resource. You know, I'm not a bag that you just plug into and then fill people up. But that's, what, that's the role I accepted, right? And so we see this one act that Jesus did solve that problem as well. So let's get into it. First, Jesus knew that when he did this, that he was healing this man on the Sabbath. If you read the, all of chapter 9, this healing took place on the Sabbath. And it's against the law to knead dough or, or mud on the Sabbath. I didn't know that. Did you know that? You can't knead mud nor uh, dough on the Sabbath, according to them. Isn't that a fact? So by doing this, what is he saying? I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I can't be told what I can and can't do. Right? For him not to act out on it. Some people look at that as just a, and I was joking with Gene. He's like, I don't think he had that attitude. It was like he was thumbing his nose at the establishment. Tell me. I, I, I joked with him. I said, that tells me Jesus had a little bit of redneck in him. <laughs> I can't do what? Touch that? <laughs> It wasn't so much that, it just was, I'm not going to surrender nor yield my deity. You're not going to tell the walking Word of God what the Word of God is. <laughs> You're not going to define to me what the Sabbath is when I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And you've lost the narrative, my friend. I mean, we, these are people that were told, keep the Word of God on your mind. So what do they do? They go out and strap the book to their head. 
So you know right away, they're not picking up on what God's laying down. <laughs> You're missing the point, folks. You're missing the point. So God knows. And that, but hey, that's what religion does. Religion turns it into a trophy rather than a daily triumph. Religion turns it into, I'm going to strap the book to my head rather than I'm going to get into this book, put it in my head, and see what comes out my mouth, which will declare the words of God. Right? And so by doing this, the word palon there is the same word for dough and mud. So he's basically, brick masons couldn't make mud, bakers couldn't make dough. Either way, it was a no-no in the pharisaical way of doing things. So he basically breaks that wide open. So he's tearing up the religious attitudes. And the other thing I love about this, here's another thing that religion does. And religion has a spirit of politics in it sometimes. Because this really is a political spirit, in my opinion. My opinion. Who's to blame? This guy's blind. Whose fault is it? Because what did they ask as soon as they saw him? Uh, which one's sin? Was it his sin or is his parents' sin? Right? That, but religion wants someone to blame rather than accepting the sovereignty of God. Saying God is God. But religion can't stand that. Religion's saying that God's got to be in a box so that he can be quantified and then resold. If you can't, if you can't homogenize, quantify it, put it in a box and resell it, you're cutting us out of our loot. That's, what, that's that religious mindset that was happening. So what Jesus is doing literally right there when he's doing that is he is breaking apart their attitude. And he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, and there's no one to blame. He's actually been set up right now in this moment, in this time, for me to reveal who I am and to show God's works. But see, in a practical way, how many times have you or I fallen made a mistake and then what do we do we start blaming beating up ourselves doing whatever and not just accepting the fact that god saw before the foundations of the world that terry was in this time point, and he's going to struggle from time to time and i didn't catch him off guard and his grace is sufficient for me his grace is sufficient for me and so yes in my carnality i don't get it right but my religious, I, 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 I break free from the triggers that religion brings in. It's like, I'm not good enough. One more time, I'm just showing I'm not a child of God. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not everything I should be. That is a religious, demonic lie. <laughs> because God, when he said, yeah, it, it, it's finished, where I'm at now, where I was at yesterday and where I'll be tomorrow is already taken care of. I am free from having to perform. Now, that doesn't mean I don't try. Don't, don't hear me on that. My heart is to please God. My heart is to do everything I can to, 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 to satisfy, glorify, and, and, and point to who he is. But I know I ain't going to get it right all the time. I've seen my work. It needs a lot of caulk. <laughs> but he comes in behind me with a big old spatula, and he just muds it up with his grace. <laughs> he just muds, and all of a sudden the joints aren't seen anymore. 
And it is just one nice wall. I, I tried drywall once. It didn't work for me. Any of you guys can do drywall. You're, work, you're modern miracle workers. So the religious attitude is, who's the blame? The other thing is, when can, when can I benefit from this? Because it was a Sabbath. The other thing is, uh, what to believe? You know, when this guy had this experience, you know what the first thing all the religious leaders was doing? Well, I mean, you're not even the real guy. You're not the same guy. You're, you must be a brother. You must be a cousin. That's not the same guy. Or, or it wasn't what you thought it was. It was trickery. It was this. It was that. In other words, they start invalidating your experience that God has given you. How many has ever been touched by God in a way only God could do? And boy, did it just not bother people around you. It just does it not just irritate the fool because why? Because it's God. And then jealousy sets in. Well, why not for me? And, and, and my admonition is, why not for you? Get in where, you know, get in where you fit in. Just follow him. He, he's not a respecter of person. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. But don't, don't be sitting at home eating potato chips, watching daytime TV, and get mad at someone that's been going to the gym. Get in church. I got to uh, meet with the uh, new members this morning for, for Sunday school, and, and uh, you guys haven't heard me say this if you haven't been through there in a while, but I, I like saying it because I, I think it's, it's healthy. And when I say, welcome to Father's Vineyard, God's gym. We're not a restaurant. Now, you can get fed here, but this is a gym. And have that attitude, and you will love it. Have the attitude as a restaurant. Well, I don't like what he's serving. But Terry overcooked it. This Terry. <laughs> Charlie undercooked it. Terry Wilson added too much sugar to the dish. I like mine a little bitter. Don't have that attitude. Because restaurants, a restaurant's where you go to do what? You consume food. Now, we feed, but if you have that attitude, all of a sudden the dish is on display as to be judged. But if I had the attitude it's a gym, hey, I walked in today and, and uh, Pastor Terry didn't smile at me. Or he smiled at me and I think there was something behind that smile. <laughs> Came in and Mike Duncan always asked me, does anybody told you he loved you today? Didn't say that today. <laughs> he must notice I put on some pounds since the holiday. <laughs> Every day I walk in to any place, I'm not picking on the church, but any place, it's an opportunity for Terry Wilson to be offended, to get upset, to project my own stuff onto other people. But one thing I've learned is it's the resistance that I face in life that builds muscle. This is a spiritual gym. And my admonition to him, here's the, the punchline, is get involved with a ministry because when you get to know people, it's the best time to get offended by them. Because <laughs> if you don't get involved and you stay separated, I can get along with people I barely know. But when I get in the trenches with them and I see their clay feet and we're tired because VBS has gone on for four years in this last week, 
we get to really see one another. <laughs> and I get the opportunity to say, I love him. <laughs> but what that is, is that's Christ in me wanting to manifest. That's that resistance I choose to love. I choose to forgive. I choose to submit. And what you find is over time, all of a sudden what once was offensive and what once was put off, uh, put off to you, there's no even weight on that anymore. Put some more on. Put some more on. There's a, there's a scripture for that. If you're faithful, if you can lift just a little, I'll put the world on your back, Terry. I'll give you the, the you see, as far as you can see, I'll give you my kingdom. I will give you responsibility. I will give you things that you never thought, dreamed, imagined was possible. But don't expect that from me when you can't forgive your wife for not smiling at you this morning. Pick up some weight. Be okay with it. That's how God conditions us to go further and further and further. So he addressed the religious attitude. He addressed the resources available. Uh, I like this right here. He says, second reason for the mud, I believe, is to show that God uses our limitations and means that we do have in doing his wonderful works in this world. Jesus could have simply spoken, as we said before, and man's eyes would have been open. But most of the wonders of God in the Old Testament were brought about by the use of human means. Now, there's a proverb here. I want you to look this up sometime. It's Proverbs 21, 31. It says this, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. God didn't need the mud, but he used the mud. God don't need an aspirin, but if I got a headache and it's sitting right there, I'm just spitballing here. Take it. If it's medically appropriate. My whole point is this. God in the flesh illustrates right there that the ways that he does his miraculous works sometimes is using means, things that we discount as nothing, things that we just say, well, you know, this can't be of God because he's, he's, he's using river to talk to me. That can't be of God. When the, I'm messing with you, boy. When the very voice of God is coming through a child of mine in the most unexpected moment that I'm hearing I'm hearing, you know, a rhema word, a rhema word, but I take it for granted. Why? Because I'm around it all the time. You know, familiarity does so many things, and it blinds us, number one, to the greatness and the goodness of God that he's wanting to work out. So one of the things it does is it teaches us to not take for granted the things around us. And third and finally, this is where it really got me tripped up, and I want to talk to you guys, and we're going to settle on this, and we're actually going to do a whole study uh, this coming month. Jesus knew the context of this man's life. See, you read this, and you just pass right over it. Charlie, I read this for years and just passed right over it, but I want to bring this down to our human understanding for just a second. Can any of you imagine having a child being disappointed with that child and divorcing that child legally in the courts. 
That's a level of rejection that's unfathomable that someone would do. But it was culturally okay back then because these folks were working class people. They were farmers. They worked in their stores. They worked in whatever it was. But children was labor force. And when you had labor born into the family business and they didn't measure up, well, that was just one more mouth to feed. That was just one more responsibility. That was just someone not carrying their weight that we can barely get by with what we got. The reason we know his family divorced is because the way that those guys were set out there was through the court system. You can, they zoned off places that people that were just wards of the state. You set out here and you just ask for the benevolence of society. But that kid, the Bible says since birth he was born this way in begging. So that says when he got up to a legal age, we don't know exactly what it was. But at some point when he was in his childhood, his family legally could say, now I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with rejection, but it's touched my life a couple times, and I empathize with that boy. To, to think that your family, your own family, don't care for you, don't want you, that you are a burden and would rather see you die in the streets than have to deal with you. That's, where, that's the context of that boy's life. So don't just read past, you know, Jesus saw a blind man begging on Now, there's a story behind that blind man, a story that probably at some point has touched all of our lives, a feeling like the people that should have your back has turned it. One of the hardest things that Gene and I went through years ago is when we were struggling is to feel the rejection and the shunning of people we thought had our back. And that wound cuts deep. And that wound causes triggers. But we have a God that gives us triumph over the triggers. And I'll tell you how he did it. One of the things I also didn't know is if I have disdain for you or you have disdain for me or you cut me off on the highway, if I'm not in prayed up mode, what am I doing or what are you doing? <laughs> We're using sign language. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> have you ever been told you're number one on the, out in the highways and the byways? You know? <laughs> have you ever told someone you're number one? Don't raise your hand. Don't pass, put your hand down. <laughs> Years ago, I borrowed his truck, and I saw a member in the church, and they didn't see the face of who was driving the truck, so I went by, and I knew I could get away with them, so I, I signed I loved them. <laughs> and so when they came back to the church office, it's like, why did Pastor Terry? <laughs> he said, why did I do what? And I, I was out speaking for him on his behalf in his truck. <laughs> yeah, it was a week of apologies. <laughs> But even to this day, it's still the same way. To show people disdain in that culture, you spit when you saw them. You spat. <sighs> Man's blind. How can he see and understand you don't like him? You're a spot on society. You're the reason why these streets are dirty. You're the reason why we can't have nice things in this city, whatever. You know, and just judging this man. How do they show that? They spat. And they walked off. 
Jesus, the Son of Man, comes up to this guy. So you got to think for just a second. He don't, can't see who he is, but he hears something, and what does he hear? That's good, though. I bet your microphone picked that up. So what happens? He's triggered. There's one more person that's just reminding me of how I've disappointed the world. There's just one more reason why I wished I wasn't even in this world. There's just one more reason. You've got to imagine, if this is what he's been doing since birth, and this is what he's hearing for people to basically give him the, you know what, the finger, then what is he to think of when he hears this? So Jesus intentionally brings him into that emotional state of being triggered and then does something miraculous. He redefines what it means. He literally takes that which the enemy meant for evil and turns it into his moment of healing. It's like you and I seeing something that for years and years and years has caused this right here. And all of a sudden, through the miraculous work of God, it's a point of healing. It's a reminder of God's goodness. It's a reminder of why I am worthy. It is a reminder that I am more than enough, that God in me is the hope of glory, that I can do all things through him who is my strength. That's the ways of God, isn't it? God didn't say, hey, let's get him away from people. Let's put him in this safe space so he can't hear these things that would trigger him. Now, listen, guys, I'm not belittling and I'm not trying to get political, okay? Don't, don't go there. But any counselor, any psychologist, anybody that knows anything about helping people knows this. Running from the problem isn't the solution. Running from the problem is not the solution. But standing when doing all this, stand. After doing praying and this, Lord, and letting God work through you, and taking those moments of anxiety and, and, and all of this stuff, and just moment by moment, it might not happen. This happened immediately. This happened immediately. For me, it's taken years. Just general exposure, letting the grace of God see that thing that would trigger and being around that thing that would trigger and seeing that thing that would have normally taken me somewhere I didn't want to go. And by the work and the grace of God working in me, letting him redefine, repurpose, and reimagine what it means. I'm telling you, the power of choice is a power that we just go, we have, through the grace of God, choice. We get to choose what things mean. If you're mean to me, I can choose to say, hey, they must be fans, and it's just the way they express it. Now you say, well, Terry, you're living in denial. No, I'm letting the Word of God be my filter. See, because I've learned the things that people do, good or bad, toward me, God can take it and make it for my good. It doesn't even mean, it doesn't matter how you intended it. It just matters how God can use it. That's the power of God. That's the grace of God in work in our lives. That's how He can give us triumph over our triggers. 
In this coming month, we're going to talk about the biology, the psychology, and the theology that is shown and really expressed in that text right there that we didn't have time to really dig this morning. But I'm telling you what, God in one act, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ himself in one act, touched that man in three different ways. And he did, you know, and he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And I believe if he did it for that man, Charlie, he's going to do it for Terry Wilson. I just believe that. Amen? Now, So uh, we're going to dismiss right now, but before I do, real quick, does anyone need prayer for anything? If you need prayer for anything, just meet us up here, and I'll ask Doug and Vicki and the prayer team, Brenda, to meet up here. But uh, come up here. We'll pray. We'll believe. We'll talk about anything you need to. But I want to be sensitive of your time and let the rest of you go. But if you need prayer, don't leave this place needing something and not asking. You have not. Why? All right, caveat emptor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for touching us in ways that we need to feel your presence, God. And thank you for being a healer, a, a, a person that just doesn't want us to have freedom so we can say we're free, but we can experience freedom. We thank you for all you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the, uh, the words that you've given us this morning through your scripture. We just ask you that we will not leave here the same as we came. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Before you come up, I want to do one thing. Um, Jubilee. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Now, the, the request is this. If you want prayer, come up. So we don't want to interfere with that. So if you do need prayer, please come up. God bless you. Great job today, Terry. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we hope today's worship and study of God's Word was encouraging to you. If we can help you in any way, please reach out to us by going to fathersvineyard.org. That's fathersvineyard.org. Thank you again, and we hope we can see and hear from you soon. Until next time.